Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! To the win! All right, we are back. We, uh, we've got a big one today, NBA Trade Deadline Edition, so we're going to talk all the trades here, and then we're going to pivot to our movie segment this week, and we are going to run through and discuss, debate whether the right um, decision was made for each Best Picture winner from 2000 to 2004. Joining us for both segments, um, S will be joining us later in the program, but joining us for, the, for both segments and to discuss the deadline a somewhat bewildered Magic fan, John, on Twitter at underscore a guy named John, which is which is excellent branding. John, how you doing, man? Uh, not too bad. I actually changed my uh, my handle today. Previously, it was the underscore John DeLorean. Yes. I was like, I'm I'm a 31 year old man. You know what I mean? I should probably <laughs> I should probably fix that. It was that guy in my mentions the other day coming at you. Now you're reevaluating your life. Did someone come at me for that? No, it was just you and you and that one guy. My mentions were just going to town a few days ago. I oh, had yes, yes. I had man. I gotta tell you, I had five people DM me, being like, "Are you following this?" Um, <laughs> who were who were watching you and that random just go to war? I, I had just, fun with it. I thought it was I. So like, ninety nine percent of my social media presence over the last decade or so. People always assume that I'm really angry, and most of the time I'm I'm kind of jovial in my approach. But I think how you you know when you when you're relying solely on text-based uh, dialogue, uh, that it doesn't really leave a lot of room for interpretation. But I think he genuinely was upset with me. Oh, he yeah yeah he he seemed he he's gonna hurt somebody or himself over it. But you know what? You, you, you can't take that to heart. That's, that's one thing social media has taught me. It just brings out the crazies, and you just got to carry on with life. So. Yeah. So just quickly, quickly, for the sake of those of us that, that didn't catch it, what was it about? Like, what was the anger over? I don't remember. Like, that's how little I really <laughs> was invested in that conversation. I don't, I don't remember at all. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. It was like a generic comment about something to, related to basketball to which John commented something about the magic to which they went seven eight rounds and that is that is usually how it goes it's and so I mean it wasn't like John was like I'm the biggest Trump fan in the world and and it was nothing political it was nothing political it was nothing controversial it was something about Orlando magic basketball that led to a near blood feud so um, it, you know it, it is what it is it is what it is Jabari but, knows how magic fans can get he has experience like we're, we're not always good people yes it was almost a year today i forgot about that where jabari had his like man i i don't fuck with magic fans anymore moment so here's what funny went for you i haven't heard from any of those fans where, where, where were they especially i didn't hear from them today i thought you know maybe you, maybe i would no it was it was interesting though because like that that pod took off and like all 79 magic fans who somehow knew both of us were, were coming at you guns ablaze so the, the, well, the Disney resorts must have been full that week I don't know what it was but they were coming for you I, I welcome them to return come on back guys let's have some fun uh, 
Okay, let's 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 start with the trades. Let's start with the trades because there's going to be time to talk magic here. Yeah. Okay. So last night things got kicked off rather late. I was already asleep. The Pistons send DeLon Wright to the Kings for Corey Joseph and two second-round picks. Scalding hot takes only on the lesser trades or we're moving on. So, Jabari, thoughts? I have no scalding hot taker for that. In fact, I responded to it on Twitter with a, what is this, essentially. I need I needed more. All right, John, you got anything? Can you, I mean, can you I, top that? Lukewarm? I, I like DeLon Wright. Uh, but I really, I don't. I it just seemed like a move to make, just for the sake of making a move. Yep. I kind of, I kind of think that actually this is solid because Corey Joseph was really bad this year, and like the Kings are are, are saying, we are not going to be bad. We're not going to sell. I, I thought it was significant. Like we're not selling Harrison Barnes. We're not dealing. We're we're getting the lawn right, and we're making a run for the playing game. So congratulations, Sacramento Kings. You guys are for real. You are for real this year. Okay, you know what? Here, I'll give you this. I didn't see that as that. I saw it as we can't, you know, we can't get what we want for Harrison Barnes, so we're not going to be embarrassed and be and continue to be like, oh, okay, the Kings got fleeced again. So let's just go ahead and make this move. Honestly, that that's really what it felt like to me. Oof. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not it's not a it's not a world ender. I know that the, the sad part is Delon Wright wanted to be in Detroit, mm. and he got to be there half a season, and that's that's the bad end of the biz. So. That's how she goes. Um, Nuggets acquired JaVale McGee from the Cavaliers. They send back Isaiah Hartenstein and a 2023 second-round pick that's protected through number 40-46. Or, sorry, number 46 and a 2027 second-round pick unprotected. Um, I, I I don't have a scalding hot one here. I like McGee as a backup center. I like McGee as a backup center as well. Like, here's the deal: um, you, you know that you know he had run its court, his run its course, you know, with the Lakers, and I, I wasn't necessarily sad to see him go. But the truth of the matter is, if you're if you're going to be facing, you know, potentially facing a guy like Gobert or you know a guy like Anthony Davis in the postseason or even beyond, a guy like you know Joel Embiid or anyone else, it's never a bad thing to have an, have a, another big that you know he's been on the spot, he's been on the on the grand stage before. And I think, um, you know, I I kind of underestimated Plumlee's value to the Nuggets as their backup five the last few years. And I think think McGee comes in and fills some of that void. I think it's a good deal for both teams. I don't... I don't think it's like a, a home run deal. I don't think it necessarily changes the the outlook that much for either team in the short term. But again, if, if you can improve, you know, there's nothing to complain about for either side. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to undersell it. Like, I mean, we're moving quickly through some of these lesser trades, but like having Javel McGee and being able to play him 15, 20 minutes a playoff game versus Hartenstein, who wouldn't play at all. I think that matters. I I think that's something, and it it does show. I mean, I've had a number of people talk to me behind the scenes and say that Denver is one of those teams that's dirt cheap, and they're sort of an embarrassment to talk about at times. And there's a joke that they diluted their Pepsi with water, and like, you know, you kind of saw that last year with the Beasley deal, and. I think this is, you know, what they did today, and obviously we'll get to their bigger move, but showed a commitment to that they know that this team is good and they're going to do some things to be better. So, you know, that kind of got the ball rolling. Then we got we got the, the curveball. Okay, I, I didn't think that Nikola Vucevic would be on the way out today. I, I thought some other Orlando names who did get dealt, but I didn't think Vuce. So Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Aminu go to the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls in return receive Otto Porter Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2023 first-round pick. Um, John, I'll throw it to you first, man. That's been your franchise 
quotations yeah. cornerstone for a minute here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I don't love the trade at all. I mean, it, it, not necessarily because of the value. I think, you know, you're not too far off in regards to uh, being fair fair trade value for the Magic, at least. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I, I can see it from Chicago's perspective. I haven't watched enough of them to to judge, you know, how they should respond to this trade. But as a Magic fan, like, it's the timing that throws me for a loop. And and you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but if the Magic were healthy this year, you know, completely healthy with Isaac and Fultz, given where the standings are right now, they probably could be a fourth or fifth seed in the East. And I would imagine, you know, maybe they... they find some luck in the draft, and they come away with uh, Cade Cunningham or one of the one of the Jalen's Green or Suggs. And, you know, if you've got a little bit of money to play around with after you move Aaron Gordon and, and Evan Fournier, you might have had an opportunity to bounce right back into that four or five, maybe six seed range. So I, I was just kind of surprised more than anything that they felt the need to make this deal today as opposed to maybe waiting you know into i don't know first few months of, of next season to see what they really have altogether healthy with whoever they end up drafting and signing in the offseason like it, it and i i briefly said this to you guys before we started recording like maybe vucevic's value is at an all-time high but again i'm not losing any sleep if they're not able to get a deal like this in the off season or sometime around next year's trade deadline. I get uh, Wendell Carter's a great player, not great, but you know what I mean. He's he's a very good prospect by all accounts. Otto Porter Jr.'s fine. The draft picks are likely going to be mid to late first round picks. So it's just like I'm not losing sleep over that. So why was that deal made today when they were going to be bad regardless of if they moved him or not this year? You know what I mean? It doesn't help your tanking. It doesn't. No, it doesn't push the the needle either way in the immediate future or long term so here's the thing to a certain degree it does kind of help your taking because i'm looking at it right now you know they're only five games out of the you know like out, out of the you know the, the postseason you know and, and it to me this looked like a situation where they didn't want to make half measures and they wanted to one make sure that they got a top pick Two, go ahead and just rip the Band-Aid off. And I know, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, because honestly, if I were if I were a Magic fan, I would, you know, even though grand scheme of things, I might accept all of this, in the moment, it is tough. It, it absolutely is tough, especially if you didn't anticipate Vooch, you know, uh, you know, Vooch you know, being moved. Uh, but, you know, honestly, from Chicago's side of things, I'm not going to lie to you, like... <laughs> Coming in, I didn't see them as a postseason team. I think Josh, I think you might have, you, you may have had them as one. Did, did you not? No, I didn't have them oh, either. Oh, okay. I was trying to give you, I was trying to give you extra credit. That's okay. But this absolutely, no, yeah. They, all of a sudden, this, you know, they, they went from a, a cute, fun team that you know we all, you know, sort of lamented the fact that it, it never really seemed that Zach, you know, Zach Levine was going to play any postseason basketball there. To this is a, you know, that's a playoff team to me at least. What do you guys think? I think so. I, I, it's hard to. So again, I'm I, and I'm going to be biased in favor of Vooch always. But this year, I would say all 15 of those Magic wins mm-hmm. came on his back. And using middle school logic, as I often do, uh, I would imagine he's going to help lead the Chicago Bulls 
to a few more victories than they would have otherwise. I, I think they're they're going to be sneaky good. Okay, here's my thing. And I, I mean, I had the Bulls ninth, and I did flirt with having them in. But mm-hmm. I ended up having the Raptors at eight, which, you know, people were mad at me for. Where are mm-hmm. they now? But um, I don't think, to John's initial point, I don't think the healthy Magic were doing anything. As much as you look at the conference and see the huge divide after three, I don't think they're a better team than the Pacers, Hawks, or Celtics, even healthy. And all of those teams are at or below 500. So I, I, I didn't believe in this Magic team. I was happy for Markel Fultz at the beginning of the season. I'm happy he's playing a role in the team and he got paid. I don't think he's a good basketball player. I don't think he's a winning basketball player. I thought they were always going to be logjammed with Gordon and Isaac. Um, so moving off of Gordon made sense if they really believed in Isaac. Isaac's durability is like the biggest wet flag to me ever. Uh, there's no reason to believe that this guy will ever be healthy for a full season. He might be, but like I'm not banking on his future and this idea that he's this Defensive player of the year going forward candidate on a year-in, year-out basis is very optimistic. So then I look at the rest of this team and, like, could Vucevic continue to have carried them with spot performances from Ross and Fournier? Maybe. Um, my, I think John is right on this being the correct amount of value to first and a, and a prospect that you're somewhat interested in. I just, again, I'm not actually very high on Wendell Carter Jr. You know, a guy that was likened to Al Horford coming out of college for, you know what, the somewhat passive play of game, but overall skill. I've seen the passive play of game. I haven't seen the skill. And I know that he's a guy that the Bulls were very frustrated with for his lack of effort at both ends. Um, he, too, has had some health injuries. I'm just I'm not sure I love the return. On the Bulls' side of this, really excited that Zach Levine has another all-star. I think Vucevic and, and Levine will be enough to get these guys in the playoffs. I do wonder about how Vuce ages as a 30-plus big man the next few years, um, given the fact that he's already not a fantastic defender and that, you know, the league is prone to pick on guys like him in the playoffs. So I I think I would give this like an A for the Bulls, a C for the Magic, but, I mean, I do have my one worry there for Chicago. I think that's fair. I I mean, I I can't argue with it. I think... You know, what, I think what makes it difficult for Magic fans, uh, especially ones like myself who are very pro-Vucevic, um, is if you look throughout the history of the team, there haven't been many all-stars that wanted to be here for the long haul. And sure. he was one of, if not the only, all-star caliber guy that was like, this is my home, this is where I want to be, good or bad, this is where I want to stay. So that's a little bit difficult for a franchise who is generally known uh, by the masses to be completely irrelevant uh it's 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 a blow for sure i was on a magic podcast this week actually and i and he was asking me kind of similar questions about this and it was just like what could you do with vucevic if you kept him and if you weren't selling and I didn't even think he was going to get dealt, but I was saying, like, if I was the Magic, I would be selling him this deadline because I did think his value was high. But, like, what what could you put around Vucevic where you felt good about contending? And from where I'm standing, like, I know that every team can't contend and you have to enjoy teams, and I'm sure that Magic fans like, like you, John, enjoyed him, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're not trying, then what's the point? And I think that this is the move that ultimately gets them closer down the line. You know, it was contended that, like, if you got another star there with Vucevic, I I get both sides of the argument, but at the end of the day, like, I I don't think that the Magic felt like they were headed for anywhere other than Purgatory. Or, yeah, so it is uh, is. Which podcast were you on? I have to look up the name one one sec. Oh, man. (laughs) 
this is like not the not the like the awkward flex moment, but like the, <laughs> the podcast spots kind of blur together sometimes. No, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, that's exactly why I laughed because I was like, oh, do so mid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I just I asked because I I haven't seen anyone promote this episode, so I'm uh, and I follow quite a few magic people. Obviously, magic podcast. It must be someone I either have been blocked by or completely unaware exists. Um, Jake Chapman is the host. Never heard of him. Just said that, and he Damn. hosts the Orlando Magic Audio Network. That's ma- magic never radio. Magic radio person. He says, "Good for uh, him." Yeah. So, I don't know. But, yeah, that, that's the one that I was doing. He was asking. And I get the dilemma, and this is the small market dilemma for a lot of teams. You have a really good player. You have possibly the B player on a championship team. Do you tear it down and hope for an A in the rebuild? Or do you keep him there and hope that you can add an A to the B because you're already halfway? I just don't know how Orlando was ever getting anyone else to come in and really contend with him. Yeah, that's fair. It, it all it, – it, and. Uh, as as optimistic as I want to be, as a natural pessimist, you know the the point you bring up about Isaac. You know you, you don't know if he's ever going to stay healthy. I think if he's healthy, I think he is a guy that you know is going to be in the conversation for at least first team all defense, maybe defensive player of the year. You know every so so often. I'm not too far removed from your take on Fultz. I I like him very much. Uh, I'd like to believe he's got at least one other level to get to. But again, that's that's asking for the best case scenario for each of those guys. Fultz, Isaac, yeah. uh, you know, Chuma Okiki. So I'm not necessarily opposed to him being moved. It was just the timing of it is is just a little weird to me. But you know, I'm 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 going to the game tomorrow. I've got media passes and I'm genuinely excited to see what these guys have. You know, I'm I'm excited to put new bias uh, into these guys, so we'll see what happens. Check me out on Twitter in the next like week and a half, two weeks, and if I start to come around, yeah, uh, you'll know why. Well, and and go try and meet Jake Chapman so that we can all connect the dots here. Yeah, go try to find Orlando Magic Radio Jake Chapman. All right. So when that's the other thing too, like I like Jake. I've been on the show a couple times, but when you say Orlando Magic Radio, I kind of thought he was like he did the Magic Games Radio, but I guess you never know from a Twitter bio. What do I know? Yeah, could be he, just some. He could be anybody. Yeah, because he says radio person. He qualifies it with that, so you never know. Yeah, who knows? I'm gonna feel bad if he follows me on Twitter and I don't. I don't know he exists. That would be awkward. Hopefully, Jake doesn't listen. All, all the love to Jake. Jake's a great guy. He's listening. Okay, Celtics. Okay, Celtics traded for Evan Fournier. Okay, they used their exception. They got Evan Fournier. They moved him for two second round picks. I'm assuming that like, the Magic couldn't do better for Fournier. They would have if they could have. Um, on the Boston end of this, okay, Evan Fournier is actually a good kid. I think Evan Fournier is one of those guys who just, like, people don't care because he plays on a bad team. He, too, has missed a fair chunk of time. Um, but, like, he, he's he's already, what, the third best wing on the Celtics? So he's a good add. But the Celtics, you know, had higher aspirations, and once again it wasn't almost with Aaron Gordon. I mean, I... I, I... I think the Magic got fair value for him. Like, talent-wise, you know, they kind of undersold. But given that he's likely going to walk in the offseason, two second-round picks is nothing to scoff at. I'd like to see where those picks are coming in at. But for Boston, I'm surprised. A lot of Celtic Celtic fans are, like, kind of unaware of what Fournier brings to the table. He's 
he's an efficient, for the most part, 19, 20 point per game guy. Um, you know, he's he can score in a variety of ways. Uh, off ball, he's kind of improved on on that aspect the last year and a half or so. Pretty good pick and roll score. I'm interested to see how he fits into Boston's offense, especially as the third option when for so long he's been the number one guy, maybe the number two guy. So I think it's going to be a little bit clunky at first, but I think if they can get him going and get him like acclimated prior to the playoffs, they could be sneaky good as well. So as I... Yeah. As, as I... I just, no, go ahead. Jabari, let me just throw this out in the interest of like... Because we were doing the movie segment as well, and S is coming. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shift these from trade to trade to team to team. Mm-hmm. So let's just stay on the Celtics, and I'll throw it to you, Jabari, in a second. But th- what the Celtics also did um, following this move was move Tice to Chicago. Daniel Tice gets moved to Chicago for Mo Wagner. Um, so as the combination that they're they're out Tice and they're bringing in Fournier and Wagner. So go ahead, Jabari. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I really liked what Tice was was doing for them this year, and so I didn't quite understand that. And, and you know, I'm not I'm not into you know the in tune with everything that's going on with the Celtics, so I you know, I, I can't you know, I can't say if it was you know with the future in mind or whatever the case may be. But you know, I won't poo poo Mo Wagner. He's a guy that can you know he's a big that can you know space it a little bit, and uh, you know he can do some of the sim- some similar things to what Tice was doing. I guess is it fair? Yeah, well, that, that that's and that's the trouble, <laughs> and, and and that's actually why specifically I, I didn't necessarily like it. But here's but here's my question: Is it fair to call Fournier say Hayward light? I think so. Uh, mm. No, you don't like that. <laughs> I, I like you I, know what the way that Gordon Hayward started this season. I think he showed that he was, you know, a much better all around player than he was, you know, at the end of the Boston tenure, especially the start of the Boston tenure. I think you just have a better playmaker, all-around player in Hayward. But like, from a scoring profile, I see where you're going. So no, the, the reason why I'm saying Hayward light is because I think he's like, you know, he can score sim- in similar ways to what Hayward can do. He just he's not he's a more limited Hayward, I guess I should have said instead of Hayward light, a more limited version of that. You know what? So, what you said was was fine. I was just my instinct is always to poo-poo anything you say. Of you course, know. of course you yeah. do. So I mean, from that perspective, at least they're addressing the fact that it was a mistake to let you know let Hayward go and, and not actually you know, not actively you know replace what he you know what he was bringing to the table. I like the moves for Boston. It just it it's not going to be enough in my estimation. Um, depending upon where you know, you know where, where they're seated, uh, I think it's still going to be an early out. So Boston's going to run it back with Hayward Light, mm-hmm. worst version of Tice, and broken Kemba. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, like I actually like I kind of root for Boston because I love Marcus Smart and I love Jason Tatum. And I love Jalen Brown. Like, I got a soft spot for them, but it, like I don't understand how fans are still giving Danny Ainge flowers right now. Like what? What about this last year um, has been encouraging from a Danny Ainge perspective? He almost yeah. made a lot of trades. Yeah, he, he almost <laughs> made some bangers. There were folks that that were so quick to say, "Oh, you guys can't make that joke anymore." And it's like, no, buddy. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we absolutely can. Especially when, when you know, when, when you know, whether it's you know, the the front office or whomever within the organization wanted to make certain that everybody knows they were right there, right there, you know, right there down to the wire for you know for you know, for Gordon. Which, to be honest with you, I feel like somebody should tap them on the shoulder and say, "Stop saying we almost did it," because that's act. You know, you actively look terrible by saying that. He seems to like it. He seems to he's he likes moral victories. Danny Ainge is a moral victory guy. I, I can feel it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, okay, 
the Troy Brown and Mo Wagner went to the Bulls originally for Daniel Gafford and Chan- Chandler Hutchinson. We're not going to do anything with that. Uh, Magic and Gordon to the Nuggets. So we kind of talked about the Magic perspective. Um, Aaron Gordon, Gary Clark going to Denver. They're receiving Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 first-round pick. I will throw it before we get to Denver. Let's wrap on Orlando. And, John, I'll throw it this your way. Do you think RJ Hampton or Cole Anthony is the better player? I So what's funny about that is I had Cole Anthony ahead of Hampton in my draft board, but my co-host for my uh, Orlando Magic podcast, Luke, he's actually uh, a native Australian, and he was higher on Hampton. So I think uh, he sold me a bit on him, and he continues to sell me on him, but I'm still going Cole Anthony. I have a soft spot for that kid. It's interesting that those are two guys who, you know, they play Fultz's position who they just paid, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Potential dilemma down the line. Um, for, from Jabari, anything on the Hampton front from you or the Harris? I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful. You know, honestly, with with any young player like that, I'm hopeful for him. But I, I've, I've, I haven't been impressed by impressed enough. Uh, but then again, I don't again, I don't watch their teams, you know, as closely as I do others. Yeah, sad, like just really quick note. Sad, sad on Gary Harris, man. Like that guy looked like he was going to be a preeminent three and D guy in the league for years. I mean, he was a 15-point scorer shooting over 40% from the three-point line at 21 years old, and then he just forgot how to shoot and dealt with some injuries. And It's too bad because he was, he was in Denver quite a while, actually, to be honest. So yeah. too bad that didn't work out for him there. Um, I'm really excited about this for Denver, though. Mm-hmm. I think, like, not to get super hot takey, but, like, Lakers couldn't get comfortable making a move that they wanted to make. The Clippers bringing in Rondo didn't really change anything for me. The Suns couldn't make a move or didn't want to. I think the Nuggets made up some major ground here, um, grabbing Aaron Gordon. They replaced all the athleticism they lost with Grant. They got a better facilitator. I think a better defender, and he doesn't need to score. So, I, I don't know. I'm really excited. I think the Nuggets improved big time here. Yeah, hard to disagree there. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a subtle shot at Aaron Gordon before I sing his praise. When he decides he wants to be, uh, you know, a more athletic version of Draymond Green, he's fantastic. When he decides he wants to be 2002-2003 Tracy McGrady, there's a lot of problems. Hopefully, you know, playing for something other than the eighth seed uh, snaps those those bad poor man's T-Mac tendencies out of him. But I think it's a fantastic trade for the Nuggets. Like, they traded two bench guys. Uh, and a protected first-round pick four or five years from now for a guy who comes in and is likely their third-best player. That's that's fantastic value. I looked at this and said, okay, the Nuggets are real now. Like, and, and you know that I have respect for what they were doing, and, and you, know I, you know that's not taking anything at all away from you know, the incredible season that Jokic is having, uh, not taking anything away from you know, your boy Jamal you know, you know, finding it, uh, not taking anything away from you know, uh, you, you know, the, the other guy. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> I, I was gonna make a joke that I realized now that it's not it's not necessary. Uh, but all of a sudden, I look at the Nuggets as like, yeah, look, I, I, I don't want to face them in, in a postseason series. You know, like I, I don't. Um, Aaron Gordon answers answers the call for everything they need. And to John's point, 
Of course, if he's locked in. But part of me feels like if all of a sudden you're in a situation, and no disrespect, you know, to you know, to the Magic, but you're in a situation where you're playing for something, and you have it, you have the opportunity to actually play for a title. I feel like you're going to get the best from him. So for me, I thought this was a home run. Um, I know, you know, like you know, there there are plenty of you know plenty of different moves that were made, you know, you know that that were also good. But this was probably one of the best moves of the day for me. It feels significant too because you know Lowry wasn't dealt. And Harrison Barnes wasn't dealt. So, yeah. like, for all of these teams that were rumored to be doing something, yeah, I think fairly arguably uh, that are, other than Vooch, the second best player on the market goes to a Nuggets team who, who's, who are badly missing a guy in that position who does a lot of the things that he does. So, yeah, very excited about this for Denver. Um, I got hot takey on the timeline, but I was like, I really feel like if... And, and John is correct, but I do think... There's a, like if you're playing on a bad team, it's hard to lock in every night. It is like, it, what's the point when you're, you know, you're not going anywhere? If Aaron Gordon wants to be bouncy, Draymond Green as Kevin O'Connor has called him. Like I really think people are gonna look at him and be like, wow, this guy's like Ben Simmons. He d's up like Ben Simmons. He moves all over the place. He covers the ground insanely fast. Um, I think he's, he he could be a big tide turner. Careful, Josh. You're 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 wading into the pool that I was in when he was coming out. Remember that. <laughs> you know what? Like, he could still make good on it. He could still make good on it. I, I, you know, I, I bit off a little bit more than I, I should have chewed in that situation, but I, I do believe that he can. You know, Did you say he was an MVP? No, yeah. man. I said, you know, now <laughs> went that high. Keep, no, no, no. Keep in mind, this is a you know a pre-draft you know article where you know you're, you you kind of want these types of uh, outlandish opinions. But I said, I see him. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say he was going to be Dennis Rodman, but I said the versatility that he could have on the defensive end could be like that. You combine with his athleticism, and let's just say I got lambasted. <laughs> it was rough. It was bad. And well, I he's like only a year and a he's only a year and a bit older than Obi Toppin, so he 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 can he can still figure it out. He can still figure yeah. it out. Maybe maybe you can still make right on that. Okay, mm. let's do the Raptors. All right, let's do the Raptors because my God. Um, so that it's reported they have double-digit offers for Norman Powell, double-digit mm-hmm. in the teens. It was like the two K trade generator. They're like Norman Powell, and everybody had a trade, and they settled on Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Well, I, I mean, what what does Gary Trent Jr. do other than that? I mean, I guess he's restricted, and you don't have to pay him as much potentially as you have to pay um, Powell, but like. I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm struggling to think that that was the best deal available. And then they had the best piece on the market. And I'm going to say even better than Vooch. They had the most valuable piece to a championship contender in Kyle Lowry. Whether it was Philly or Miami or the Lakers or the Clippers and all these teams who wanted him. Um, they had a point guard who had won a championship, who had come in for all these teams who don't have a point guard. And they got squadoosh for him. They sat on their hands. It's reported, you know, they had a deal with Philly that involved Maxi two first-round picks and Thibault. Philly didn't want to bend on Thibault. Apparently, Toronto didn't want to bend on Thibault. What the hell, man? Oh my God! What the hell? Yeah, look, I, I, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. I did not. Ex- I expected Lowry to be moved. In fact, I was. I was stunned when he didn't get moved. Uh, of course, when it, when when these reports come out, oftentimes, yo, you, you don't know who the influencer is. Whether it's like a, a GM, a rival, a, a GM involved in it, a rival GM that's trying to poo-poo something, uh, one of the agencies, one of the organizations, or whatever the case may be. But 
So, so, and I and I say that to say, you know, we never really know exactly which one is, you know, is one hundred percent accurate. But if if it was just a matter of Thibel, or like say from the Lakers side of things, like if the THD thing was actively was actually true, yeah, I, I'm going to say all those teams lost out on this opportunity. The you know the, the Raptors. Ew. I don't know what their plan is, but if it's just to simply, you know, like let him go in the offseason, but you know, this isn't this is an absolute failure. John, thoughts? I'm I'm kind of in line with you guys. I think unfortunately for Raptors fans, like they're unable to see in person, you know, their franchise best player uh playing, you know, play out his season. So if there ever was a time to move somebody and not take a ma- like massive PR hit, it would have been now. Mm. I kind of understand it uh, somewhat from Philly's perspective, not wanting to give these guys. But Lakers, like THT, I love THT. The Magic uh, drafted him and traded him mm-hmm. uh, for absolutely nothing, from my understanding. And if, like, I don't know, LeBron's 36. You know what I mean? How much time does he have left? Like, I'm not sweating over losing THT if it means Lowry comes in and we repeat as champions. You know that that's that's my my logic. If if I'm running the show over there, if I'm a if I'm a Lakers fan, what have you? Like, it just it boggles my mind from their perspective that they were unwilling to budge on THT. So, yeah, it, it, does. it does. So so here's the part. So here's the other part. If and and you know this isn't just me saying it. Bobby Marks put it out there. The you know with if they were to have, if they were to have dealt him, it's not like that a team would have been able to immediately you know uh, re-sign him or you know extend him. So it's a you know so potentially is it a matter of like were teams scared away by the fact that it's you know like he's going to be a free agent no matter what so they didn't necessarily want it to be a rental that is active that that's actually my only justification for it you know because other than that agreed and you guys both know I'm a THT guy I think he's going to be a very good player but the timelines don't match up with what you know what you have going on right now the fact that LeBron is 36 years old the fact that and you know what people don't might not like me saying it the fact that he's out right now and we we're praying that both he and Anthony Davis can get back healthy. That, in my, uh, in my estimation, is why they probably why I would have gone all in, you know, for these next couple years. But yeah, um, um, if we don't hear anything like you know that comes out that's saying that you know ultimately he was going to be you know moving on, I'm I'm actively disappointed as a Lakers fan. Here's the thing: I, I think Toronto is the big loser today. I really I think Toronto is the big loser. You had the most desirable piece on on the block. You didn't get anything for him. Now he could leave you for nothing in the offseason. It was reported that he ultimately wants to land in Miami. They will have cap space. Why would he bow into some sort of sign-in trade where Miami has to get worse when they can just sign him into space this offseason? Um, I understand that if you are a fan of the Raptors, that you love Lowry, and John made a great point about like the stands, not being able to actually physically watch him. I get it. He is your franchise best player. But, like, this is – this is anyone outside of that bubble should see that they had an opportunity here to add a piece they believed in, to, to stock the cupboards for a 35-year-old guard who was expiring, and they didn't take advantage of it. Um, some really quick thoughts on, on, on the tertiary issues here. Does that mean Masai's out? Like, is, is that part of what this was? Mm. Like, he's not fully invested in that future here. Because why would you want to have Kyle for 25 more games if you were staying long-term rather than a couple first-round picks in Maxi? The other thought that I had was, like, 
Don't tell me that you were good with keeping Lowry when you're trading Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas out for second round picks randomly to the Kings and Jazz. You were 1,000% trying to empty roster spots. My guess is the Lakers. Um, They thought they had a deal. It just didn't happen. And it, it, you know what, on the Lakers front, they're stupid too. Like, that's a bad call, man. Like, we talk about durability. Any time that you have Anthony Davis healthy is a blessing. You don't know with him. Okay, You don't know. He's one of those guys you don't know. LeBron is 36 years old. You're, the Lakers pride themselves on being a championship or bust team. Who the fuck cares if THT is a quality six-man two years from now? He is a good player. I'm with you, Jabbar. You've heard me sing his praises. Mm-hmm. But, like, my God, you had a chance to add a championship point guard as the third best player on a team and repeat. And you're the Lakers, and you're only supposed to care about winning. Like it was, it was a dumb, short-sighted move to say no. Like I said, the only thing, that, the only way is if Lowry or they got the feeling that he wouldn't be interested in staying long term. I then I do understand not giving up Dennis as well as THD in that deal. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, I I was on record. I said they absolutely should make the move, and you know Lakers fans didn't like it, and they get mad at any anytime you say anything, you know anything negative about the team or any or, or question the logic behind you know, some thought. But the truth of the matter is this. If they don't win this year, y'all will all look back at this situation, whether you acknowledge it on the yes. timeline, and recognize you were some jackasses. And the Nets will be better next year. And other teams will yep. make moves. And LeBron will be older. Like, I'm, I'm having a very hard time envisioning that the Lakers are better prepared and set to win a championship in 2022 or 2023 than they would have been this year with Lowry. Like, I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time, even if he left. Even if he left. Like, it... I think you have a better chance winning this year than you do either the next two years with Taylor, THT and Schroeder. So, yep. you know, is what it is. I, I thought that was dumb. Um, you know what? Do you want to give S the lowdown? Let's get him in for the movies yeah, in a couple money. minutes here. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's just talk about Oladipo. Okay. Miami Miami does get Victor Oladipo. They bought low. They only had to trade Olenek. Avery Brad, like my guy. Canadian Kareem, Kelly Olenek, um, <laughs> Avery Bradley, and, and a draft swap for Depot. Which, like, Depot has played that terribly, and he is expiring. But I actually really like this for Miami. If you're going to buy low, buy low, and they bought low. So, can't hate it. John, what do you think? So, uh, one one thing, because I'm very proud of this nickname that I had for Oladipo when he played for the Magic. Vic Turn over Depot. Uh, with that being said... Uh, I still th- I, I hate the Rockets for not keeping Levert and Jared Allen. I don't think they got good value on the Harden trade, and this kind of solidifies that. Um, my inherent bias against the Heat makes this very difficult for me to admit, but I like this move a lot for the Miami Heat. I think I think it's great. It feels like a, a no lose scenario. Like what if Depot leaves? Whatever you gave up a draft swap and a Linux. If you sign him and he's not great, you're probably getting him on a discount after a terrible year. So I, I, I kind of dig it. And they've been known to do some things with some reclamation project, projects. So, like, while Oladipo has been borderline terrible this year, the guy he was three years ago in Indiana where he was all NBA and all defense at 24, 25 years old was incredible. So I, I hope he gets closer to that. Yeah, I'm not necessarily I, expecting that player, but if he can be anywhere in between what he was, the, yeah. what he's been this year, and that, it's it's a plus pickup. If he could shoot less like beginning of the season blind Kelly Oubre, um, that would help. That would help. I, I think what helps too is like he's not asked to be the first option or even the second option likely on this team, so that that should help some. Um, 
but we'll see. Uh, I think with lesser responsibility, that could come with uh, better efficiency on both ends of the floor. Okay. Well, I mean, that that just about does it, man. Like, I mean, the Mavs did go trade for J.J. Redick, which, like, I'll read more about later. But I I think it's comical that J.J. Redick had literally the worst shooting stretch of his career. Mm -hmm. And I, I looked for it. It was like... Of bench players to take X amount of threes, the only guy even close to him is Derek Fisher had a similar 15-game stretch at one point in his career. Well, he was in Utah, I believe, which he hated oh, being no, there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then J.J. Reddick's reasoning, or what was leaked, I don't even know where it came from, was that he was really homesick. He regretted going to New Orleans. He wanted to get back closer to New York. Um, so Dallas traded for him. But they didn't, they didn't give anything up, but... Uh, to me, this is like a big, hey, we shouldn't have traded Seth Curry, so we're going to try to salvage J.J. Redick. Whatever, man. It's something, I guess. Can it's, I, not, it's not a bad move. Can but. I say one thing before we, I guess, go to the next segment, if that's what's happening? Every player traded today used to play for the Magic? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> that. The way, when they said the, the trade deadline was going to run through Orlando, they were not joking. It was a pipeline, man. Yep. Orlando was a pipeline. We are. They, I mean, if you can get an NBA team to develop your talent, you got to do it. We are the NBA's minor league. <laughs> yeah, actually, it, I was thinking that when we we talked about Depot, I did, and you're like, when he played for us, I was like, oh yeah, Depot was was an Orlando guy. Um, yeah, everybody um, is S on the way. Uh, uh, well, we're we're switching links. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's let's wrap this. Let's take let's hear uh, some some words from our friends, and then we'll be back with the movies. All right, we're back. John is still with us. He, he didn't get scared off from us poo-pooing his magic, which God bless him. And uh, we're joined by S on Twitter, at just S. Barahenny. There you go. You know him. S, we, we've been linking up on Locker Room a lot lately, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Locker Room's fun. It's fun to interact with a lot of people. So I see you on there a bunch doing the shows late at night, too. And it's kind of good because I am a night owl and I do not sleep. So it's it's... It just works out well, man. Your schedule works out well because I know you're out uh, out west, so it just it, it it's always convenient. You're always on locker room when I'm when I'm trying to get on there too. I never think about that because for me, I go on at eight, but for East Coast, yeah, it's already after ten. So yeah, like I'm 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 re- I'm having some tea. I'm ready to go to bed. You know, uh, that, that's what I'm doing, and and you're probably starting the day. You know. So S didn't want to gift us his uh, his NBA hot takes. THT over here, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some movies. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the Oscar winners 2000 to 2004. We're gonna discuss each year, decide whether that movie should have won or not. Have a little discourse. Um, so let, let's just let's kick it off. Um, so 2000, which of course is judging the movies that came out in 1999. The winner was American Beauty. Um, the other nominees were The Cider House Rules, The Green Mile, The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. And S, since you're the new man at the table, we'll throw it to you first. What do you think, man? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was American Beauty, to be honest with you. I-, I could I could hear arguments for The Green Mile just because of what it was and, and the performances that we got from there. But I would probably go with American Beauty. I mean, realistically, it, it was the best movie that I've seen from uh kevin spacey excuse me and i know he's 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 canceled we don't talk about him but like he he, it was probably the best movie that i've seen from him personally um sam mendes was an awesome director and it was just a good movie man i i really liked it compared to all the other movies i could hear an argument for green mile but i'm definitely going american beauty john 
All right, so I'm, I want to I want to do two things here. Um, one, I uh, I think I'm leaning towards Cider House Rules. I used to love that movie, uh, surprisingly, uh, but I could also go with Green Mile. I, th- those would have been either of my picks. Um, but I want to preface this because I had a hot take, and I got to get it out. Ooh. <laughs> Given how influential this movie was, you know what this genre of movie looked like prior to 1999 and what these genre films have looked like since 1999, The Matrix, in hindsight, Mm. deserves some love because it completely changed the action film landscape and to an extent even sci-fi films. Like, things that you saw in The Matrix were groundbreaking. Like, none of that had been done before. And now it's common. Even boring to an extent because it's it's such commonplace in most films, and I think for that I'm going with the Matrix. You know what? Damn you, man! At first I was like, my God, no, he stole me. He stole my moment, man. Like I literally have it circled under the nominees as that the Matrix should have won. It meant more to filmmaking, action movies. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Tomorrow, what do you think? Yeah, so here's the thing, and it's funny, I, I didn't have the Matrix on my list, but I, I agree with with all of the points that you just made on that one. Although I still wouldn't have picked it. I don't look I'm try, I don't I don't want to retroactively shit on a movie, you know, that was widely considered fantastic at the time, you know, the way some of us will do with Crash and the like. Uh, but American Beauty just didn't hold up quite as much for me. I agree with you, S, on the performance from K, uh, from Spacey. Uh, I, 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 you know, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil might be my favorite of his performances, but American Beauty was probably the you know the money one yeah. for me. The Green Mile should have won. Um, it, you know, it not beyond having great performances, also from you know Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan, and even Sam Rockwell, uh, you know, to a lesser degree. For me, it's more rewatchable. It's more it, it's more enjoyable, and it just held up better for me. I did think about that too. Um, the Green Mile probably would have been my second choice because it is so much more rewatchable, and it, and it does have such crazy emotional highs and lows. But like, does being rewatchable really matter to an Oscars picture? Like, it, it matters to me on the quality of the movie, but like. Does it matter at the time when the Oscars are voted on? Because they certainly don't vote like it does. I mean, if we're throwing out hot takes, if we're throwing out hot takes, to kind of to the Matrix point that John brought up, right? How about The Sixth Sense? Because The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis, I mean, it's aged to a good point where everybody knows about it, right? Everybody recalls the famous scenes that are in that movie. Um, I mean, that, that kind of set the tone for the genre going forward, too, you know? It did. It did. I don't think to the same extent that the Matrix did for action, but it did. And, and you're right. And what sucks is M Night. You know, M Night. And no disrespect to you know any current M Night fans, he just like he just fell off a cliff to, a couple years later. Yep, he did. Like, like kick, he kicked the door in with you know, you know you know with Sixth Sense. And I thought, okay. And then with Unbreakable and you know maybe one or two others, I thought, okay, we're going somewhere. But yeah, what the hell happened here? He really a terrible movie. What? Can I just throw that there? What a terrible what? movie that is. I'm on the it's slow but terrible? Really? Oh, so boring. I'm I'm with you, Josh. I, and I wanna like it so bad. I, I desperately wanna love that movie and it just it just never resonated with me. I'm rattled. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love uh I no. love I love Samuel Jack not like okay, favorite movies of all time is a boost. That, no, that's that's crazy. That, that's like strong. like like top top like thirty movies of all time. I would throw Unbreakable in there. Um 
I, I loved I loved Sam L in that. Sam L was awesome. He was it was completely different from like mm-hmm. the other conventional Sam L roles that you get. And I, I loved it. I it was it was awesome. See, Unbreakable it's to like, me is like it's it's a Tarantino movie if he cut the dialogue in half and he ended the film before it popped off. Yeah. That's, well, a, good, I mean, that's a good way to describe it. You, you got to have some MFs and you got to definitely have a whole lot of N-words if it's a Tarantino movie. And you would expect that with, you know, with Sam Jackson. But I, you know, I I agree with this. I like the fact that it was, you know, it was a different look at Sam. Like, you know, he was you know, quiet. He was methodical. He was, you know, very, you know, you know, very direct. But it wasn't his usual type performance. And, and that, that pro- that's probably why I liked it as well. I haven't seen American Beauty in a long time, too. But, like, I, I wonder if I would just cringe way more. Yeah, probably. Yeah. This time through, because yes. not just because of the content of the movie, but because of space. Like, yeah. and I, I will push back. Like, verbal kin to Spacey's best role, Hazard so say, is is Spacey's. It's best pretty role. damn good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, I'm not going to argue with that because you know, like I said, the the other one is my is is my favorite from him. But yeah, I mean, look, this is the thing that sucks. Like, even prefacing it with, I know we're not supposed to talk, and this isn't a criticism of the U.S., but like, we all do this. The performances still exist. Like we don't have to endorse him. You know, he's you know he, he's a dick or a scumbag or you know yeah. all, all of the things that he is. But hey, look, those performances are still incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree that it's it was it was a good performance. And yeah, you're right. We we should probably take whatever happened in the past for what it is, right? Yeah, it is. What yep. it is. It's, it's the Michael Jackson move, music thing too. Like whatever that happened true. or didn't happen, his music was great. So um, okay, let's do 2001. So 2001. Gladiator is the winner. Chocolat is a nominee. Crouching mm-hmm. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic um, round out the the nominees. Uh, Jabari, let's go backwards. I'll throw it to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. This is one where I didn't have a problem with Gladiator winning. I recognize, you know, some people, you know, they don't necessarily love Russell Crowe, and he's also reportedly not the you know the greatest of folks. Yep. Uh, if if anything. I, you know, like it wasn't nominated, but I would not have had a problem with Memento being, you know, being nominated. Um, if you were to tell me that, you know, you just think that Remember the Titans absolutely deserves some love, I, I can understand that. And here's one that Joss doesn't like, but I don't care. Almost Famous is a classic movie, and, I, and if it had won, I would have been happy. Okay, go ahead, John. Um, I'm going to piggyback. Word for word, almost, I, like, it's crazy. Word for word. Jabari said what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, I left off Memento uh, because I get enough heat as it is for being a Christopher Nolan fan. Like I'm probably one of the few people who really loved Tenet, but uh, I'm gonna love everything. So did I, John. So did I, John. Right. I'm with you, man. I'm there with you. Yeah, I mean, Josh is just absurd in his in his logic. But you know, <laughs> your own, you know uh, as my my co-host of my Orlando Magic podcast, Luke Smith says. Science is why people like the things they do. Like, if something provides Josh with serotonin and something does not, that's science. If he doesn't want to like the movie, he doesn't want to like the movie. That's Fair. fine. But, but I, I, I gotta say, Gladiator probably deserved to win. But I, I would have no issue if Almost Famous won. I love that movie. I think that's a fantastic movie with great performances from literally every single person in the movie, including Mark Maron, who was only in it for three seconds. Even including Jimmy Fallon, whom I can't stand. <laughs> yeah, he, he gave a great performance. Perfect movie. 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any problems with this year uh, deciding who was going to win. Gladiator was going to run away with it, in my opinion. But I feel like we do have to give some type of respect to Crouching Tiger because it was an awesome movie. I remember watching it when I was a kid, and I was just mind blown at how incredible it was. Um, I don't think it, it would have deserved deservedly won the award. That would be kind of crazy, but I mean... It was just an awesome movie, man. The action in that was was incredible. And like as a kid watching that, your mind is just is blown, you know? Yeah, this is this is a great year for movies. Like yeah. this, this is a great like I'm I'm in the same boat, I think, as Jabari and John were like, I don't know if Gladiator would have been my pick. Um, but I, I, I can't really I can't really nag on it. I can't really harp on it. And then like Snatch is one of my probably ten favorite movies ever. Ooh. Like, I mean, I'm, Love Snatch. I think that's the most fun movie of the year. I understand why it's not an Oscar pick, but I love that movie. It's my favorite Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, Memento would be my top ten crazy twists. Okay, Castaway I think was the best individual performance um, from Tom Hanks. Which, like, my God, he just stood around on a beach with a volleyball and sold you on a three-hour movie. Like, it's a phenomenal performance. S hit it with Crouching Tiger. It might be a top ten action film of all time. Uh, Remember the Titans is one of my all-time great movies. Fantastic movie has aged terrifically. So, like, I mean, honestly, two thousand one was just a smashing year. Mm-hmm. Was that Training Day as well that year? Nope. No. Yeah, it's coming up next year. Yeah, okay. it's weird. Mine didn't have the the site I'm on does not have Snatch on here. That's crazy. Oh, all right. Anyways, they maybe they some, it, huh? Yeah. Maybe yeah. sometimes when they Google it too, like the dates are. I have Snatch is two thousand. So this would, yeah, this would have been a movie in the okay. IMDb says Snatch 2000 for me. Okay. Not um, okay, so let's go to 02. 2002. Okay, A Beautiful Mind wins the Oscar. Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Moulin Rouge um, wrap up, round out the nominees. So let's, let's I, I like to study. Let's go back and forth. So this time we'll go to S. Oh, man. I, I, I mean... Are we really going to do a disservice and say Gangs in New York did not deserve to win this? I uh, I just think Martin Scorsese got robbed for this. He he deserved to win this, and it was an awesome performance by Daniel Day-Lewis, an awesome performance by Leonardo DiCaprio. There was, in my opinion, at least, there was no reason for Gangs in New York not to win. Chicago is an awesome movie. I totally understand why it won. And but this is, you're, you're one year ahead of us. Oh, am I? Am I? Do, what? Oh, you're right. You're, looking at you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. My fault. My fault. I jumped ahead, but I guess I gave my take for 2002 already. Um, <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me reconvene a little bit. One second. Let, let me, Jabari, go for it. Yes, you go for it, Jabari. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I, I, I got you. So, a beautiful mind won, and coincidentally, Russell Crowe was probably better in a beautiful mind than he was in Gladiator, but he got the Oscar for Gladiator the mm-hmm. year before. So. I, I guess it's not shocking they didn't have him go back to back. Training Day should have won. I'm not even going to just, I'm not going to qualify it. I know you'll disagree. I don't care. Training Day is the best movie of all of them that you're going to discuss. <laughs> um, I, I mean, my counter to that, like, I'm not as opposed to it as you think I am. Like, I, I, it, it wasn't as good a year for movies as the prior year. I don't think Training Day on a whole was is a best picture type movie. I think they got it right. They gave Denzel best actor that year. I, you know, I, I think they, they did him justice on that. I, I don't know. The, the, I have Black Hawk down in my notes. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. Which is just like, to me is still like the pinnacle other than saving private Ryan for war movies or modern ish war movies. Um, 
And I just I just wanted to give this movie a shout because I love it so much. I know it was never going to win the Oscar. Um, a Knight's Tale, man. I love that. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what funny. a throwback. Is, I enjoyed the movie. Like, you know, on this it's my favorite movie from this year. It's just, it's, it's, oh, okay. It's my favorite movie from this year. I have never seen Gosford Park. I mean, I love Fellowship of the Ring. Um, they do end up giving a low-tar movie. I think I probably would have voted for Fellowship of the Ring. And and shouts James Cameron, man, this is how you do a trilogy. Like, one year after another, bang, bang, yep. bang, well, people are interested. I've kind of forgot. I don't even remember anybody from Avatar. But, yeah, I probably would have given to Fellowship of the Ring. A Night's Tale is my favorite movie. Don't bully me. Jasmine's not even here. John, what do you think? <laughs> so um, I thought about saying Training Day, but I'm kind of more in line with you. Like, I love that movie. It's, I, I think it's a, a perfect film, but I don't necessarily think it's the best film from that year. Um, the other one, uh, what was it, uh, A Beautiful Mind, I thought Russell Crowe was phenomenal. I just think all around it was a fantastic film, like from everything from set design, cinematography, to the score, the acting, just it, it was very close to, to being flawless. Um, but, and, and that is my pick, but I do want to say uh, just in general, one of my favorite movies of all time, because uh, I've always been an angsty teenager, even at the ripe age of 31, uh, Donnie Darko, mm. uh, which, in my opinion, is still Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance. And I think, given the budget, uh, what they were able to do in regards to like crafting this narrative uh, is just so impressive. And again, I'm kind of a sucker for like indie sci-fi films, so they had me there. But, I mean... Uh, Drew Barrymore gave a great performance. Patrick Swayze was fantastic. It was just a, just an all-around uh, underlooked and underappreciated film at the time when it initially came out. Shouts to young Seth Rogen as well. Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I was, I'm just now I'm thinking on that you got me spinning off of it, and I'm like, what is my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal role? Or what's his best role? I keep, Nightcrawler is the movie that comes to mind. Uh, I like. Uh, to have that episode, bring me on because I stand for that man. Yeah, I, I love okay. Jake Hall too. I, my underground uh, pick for that is Prisoners. Prisoners was really good. He was really awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, whatever. I know it's a hoorah and all of that, but I liked him in Jarhead. Oh yeah, he was great. Yeah, he was good in Jarhead. Yeah. yeah. Not one of my movies. Um, so, S, where are you on O2? Yeah, I, look, I, I think I'm going to go with Training Day as well. Um, it, I'm split between Beautiful Mind because, for me, the first time watching Beautiful Mind was one of the biggest revelations because I didn't see the ending coming. I didn't know about John Nash. I didn't know about any of these things until later on in life. And the first time you're watching that, your mind is absolutely blown by what happens at the end. It's just, it's beautiful writing. Uh, and the way they lead up to it, I thought it was incredible. So Beautiful Mind would be my choice, but man, how can you go up against Training Day? That is my question. Uh, I, I don't know how I could be able to list more than 10 movies that I would pick ahead of Training Day in terms of like my all-time list. Um, and that's why I, I'm picking Training Day. It's just I'm way too biased towards it. I'm sorry. I, I totally understand my bias towards this, but it's going Training Day. Yeah. S same here. It's one of my top ten favorite movies of all time, which yeah. is the reason why it's like, yeah, come on. Yeah. So I can't even argue it. Like I, I understand. I, I totally get anybody who says Beautiful Mind. I'm, I'm good with it. But I just can't bring myself to not pick Training Day. You know. Training Day is one of those ones that Jabari and I have talked about a lot too, where it almost it feels like I like don't even like the movie, 
when I like really do enjoy the movie, but it's just it's not on the same scale as Jabari liking that movie. So um, I may I may or may not have watched it twice in the past three weeks. <laughs> I it's on Netflix now. It's easy to watch. It's great. There it is. Exactly. When I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, well, goddamn right. Even though I've got the I got the DVD or whatever Blu-ray, but yeah, you know, it was there ready readily available. Okay, two thousand three. Okay, and this is—I think they got this one really wrong. So I'm um, <laughs> saying many of us feel. So 2003, Chicago is the winner. Okay. Yeah. S has already gone to bat for a nominee. Kings <laughs> of New York. Okay. The other nominees are The Hours, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Pianist, and then there's some great movies that I'm sure will get mentioned. Um, okay, since we went back the other way, S, Kings of New York would be your choice. Um, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, won't be second. What would be my second choice? Uh, I, I I think The Pianist is is a pretty good pick for that. I remember watching that when I was really young and I was very confused. Uh, I And then I had to rewatch it and then I, I knew what it was about. But I, I really, really like Adrian Brody's performance in this. I believe he won uh, Best uh, best Actor, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I might be wrong yeah, with that. When he, it's, it's when he goes up and he kisses Ali Berry, as a matter of fact. Oh my goodness, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, um, yeah. so I, I would probably go with The Pianist if I wasn't going to pick Gangs of New York. But again, man, like, how do you go against Daniel Day-Lewis, Leo, Scorsese? Like, come on, man. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think it's like one of the biggest robberies of uh, Academy Awards ever. I, 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 think, I really think it is. Go ahead, John. Oh, okay, um... So I I couldn't pick. There was two that I'm torn on, and I've debated back and forth for a few days now. They still can't come to a decision. But it was between The Pianist and uh, The 25th Hour. Oh. Okay. Oh. I love that. People forget about that movie. I think it's kind of gone under the radar, you know, since its release. But it's a, it's a very, very good movie. And I think it's interesting because... It takes place sort of like right after September 11th happened. So mm-hmm. you kind of have a, a secondary character in the in the form of you know what has just transpired in real life and like how the city of New York is kind of coping with that. Yeah, fair enough. That that movie is definitely under talked about. It, that's even when Norton films come up, that's not a movie that's often talked about. I'm gonna be honest with you; I don't think I've watched it. Ooh, definitely watch it. It's a Spike Lee film as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's I'm gonna. Really good I might do that tonight, actually. Okay. Thank you for the new movie. Appreciate it. So, so it, what's funny is I I'm embarrassed that I didn't even have 25th Hour on my notes. And Gia, John, thank you very much. So, look. I had down the pianist, I, I, and I will also acknowledge I'm biased because I, I do not like musicals um, at all. I, you know, I just don't. So whatever. <laughs> um, so you know, Chicago winning was inter- is always going to be interesting to me. Uh, the pianist for me is probably the you know, like you know the best movie of the ones that were nominated. But Gangs of New York probably should have won. And 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 I don't know what the hell was up with the you know with the Academy and Scorsese for so long you know like if I'm not mistaken he didn't win it until the Aviator right yep uh, no actually on for a while too because he cracked was, the Academy was it Aviator oh okay okay see I, I didn't I didn't know the background of that but I do you know but I, but I always wondered like how the hell has he not won um, I'm gonna settle on Gangs of New York but 
I probably would have voted for the pianist because it, I, it was that impactful. See, I wasn't a little kid when I first saw it, and I was in the theater crying over it. So yeah, I don't want to just like pass over the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy either because like I absolutely love Lord of the Rings, and I and Two Towers is my favorite movie in the trilogy. I get why it probably wasn't winning, but you know, uh, rightful nomination. The movie that I would have voted for wasn't nominated. It did also have Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's the best story I think I've ever seen in a movie. Just amazing story writing. Catch me if you can. <sighs> that's a great one. I'm thing. surprised that wasn't yeah. nominated. That's crazy. I love that movie as much. Leo and yeah, Tom. And Hanks. And I just, I love that movie equally every time I watch it. I watch it like every couple of years. It's always delightful. It has nice highs, it has nice lows. I love the little redeeming character arc, as Jabari knows, that I mm-hmm. tend to love those stories. I love that movie. It's a great movie. I didn't see City of God until a couple of years ago. Another movie that wasn't nominated that I think now is fantastic. I think my top three for that year, um, you know, okay, top four with, with The Lord of the Rings would be Gangs of New York, City of God, Catch Me If You Can. So of the nominees, I would give it to Gangs of New York. But man, Catch Me If You Can is, is probably my favorite movie of that year. I didn't know City of God was not nominated. Thank you guys for doing that research. But if I knew that, I would have picked City of God over Gangs of New York. I think uh, City, of, the story of City of God is like one of my favorite stories I've ever watched. Um, we actually watched that in school, which is the funniest part. But um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We did it for an economics class, a global economics class. We watched it. Oh, that's tough. Um, City of God was awesome, though. And the the story of Rocket, it's just one of the coolest stories. Not cool necessarily, but just you know, it, it's introspective. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take City of God over Gangs of New York any day. Man, I'm realizing now that they were a lot harder on nominees when. It, well, also, well, yeah. keep in mind they only did you know like four or five movies back then. They extended it, right? Ten. Yeah, they extended and now it. Now it's like ten, which is how it should be, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, give the extra hat tip, and whatever happens, happens. But um, okay, so that brings us to 2004. Okay, so 2004, Peter Jackson gets his due. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King takes home Best Picture. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Return of the King set the record for Oscars that year. Yeah, something like, like 11 or something like that. Yeah, Broke right. Titanic or something like that. Um, the other nominees were Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World, Mystic River, and Seabiscuit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> guess you know which one I enjoyed least of the nominees. Uh, so, Jabari thoughts all right so i'm going to i i know no one else is going to agree with this and that's fine all of the movies were good sea biscuit whatever it's not you know horse racing isn't my thing but you know it, it was still a, a quality film but lost in translation is still my favorite of those movies i recognize you know that the conversation is you know which ones you know we thought should win the oscar and you know we you know whether we should be factoring in rewatchable or whatever the case may be even though it you know uh, it's also along those movies that people look back on and say, oh, it really wasn't all that good or it wasn't worth all the hype. It's still my favorite. So I'm going to go with Lost in Translation. Is, is that... Uh, John? Yeah. Is, you want me to go? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm with Jabari. Uh, I actually saw that movie for the first time six or seven years ago, which is surprising because I am a massive Bill Murray fan, uh, but I just mm-hmm. never got around to watching it. And Honestly, like not too many films make me almost cry. Like I don't think I've ever cried. Maybe during Interstellar I cried, but like other than that, like I do with this thing where I almost cry, I almost shed a tear. That was one of them, and just there's really no other words to to describe it other than being 
absolutely a beautiful film. And it, it, I think there's just something about that film that even seven years later, I haven't seen it since, has just stuck with me. Just absolutely stuck with me. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, just to your point about crying, John, uh, I'm on the total side, on opposite side of that. I will literally cry at every movie, any movie possible ending. Honestly, it's crazy. I, I cried at the end of Endgame, man. Like, it, it I've been, I've, it just happens. I don't understand. I don't understand. Anyways, um, I, I think Lost in Translation is the one that should have won. And uh, so if you... Yeah, I, I do think Lost, Lost in Translation was the one that should have won. Sofia Coppola was awesome. It's like one of my... It, it is... It is one of my favorite movies of all time because of the the my parents and, and me and my family, we watched that all together and I kind of have a good memory of that. So I definitely go with Lost in Translation any day of the week. But I do want to say one thing about Lord of the Rings. Like we've been talking about them for the past five, ten minutes just because they've been nominated three years in a row. It's kind of cool to see kind of to uh, to John's point about Matrix how this set the precedent for other different franchises to get the nods in the Oscars. Because if you look at, you know, different massive movies, whether it be like fantasy movies that come out, it, now they're starting to get more recognized in terms of Oscar nods and Academy Award nods. It's it's kind of interesting to see how Lord of the Rings kind of set the precedent for that entire wave, you know what I mean, of, of movies that just came in in the fantasy sci-fi realm that, that could actually be considered for an Oscar. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm really, I'm really itching to on a side note to see what Amazon does with their Lord of the Rings. Yeah, series. yeah, that should be a good show. I mean, th- they've been putting a lot of money into it supposedly too, which is yeah. like over over a billion. Yeah, and uh, they're all they're shooting all five seasons simultaneously. They're gonna go bang, bang, bang. Um, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued. It's confirmed in Peter Jackson's universe. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Um, this is one of those years like Return of the King would win for me. The Lord of the Rings coming to an end was like a emotional moment for me. Like I, I was like super into it. I remember going to see the third one with my dad and brother and I was like profoundly sad when Frodo got on the boat and left Sam <laughs> on the dock. And and I'm somewhere probably in between S and John, but yeah, I cried like a baby when Sam went back to the Shire alone to his life. Like Lord of the Rings hit for me, man. I have never seen Lost in Translation. It is on oh. the it's one of my on my note of movies that I have to watch. It's in my twenty two movies that my list is now of movies I've never seen and meant to get to. Um, so I, I guess I need to see that movie because you guys all give it high praise. Let me I give you. A, oh no, good. I was gonna say I have a couple shouts here. Okay, I would honestly my second choice for the Oscar other than Return of the King would be Big Fish, which wrecks me, absolutely wrecks me every time I watch it. I That's you and McGregor, right? Sorry? That's you yeah, and McGregor, right? Yeah. Tim Burton. Yeah. Yep, Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Remember that. And I don't know what it is. Like my Maybe it's because my mom's dad was like a crazy liar. It was very relatable for me. But like, man, that, that one really hits for me. And then some secondhand lines, which is like one super underrated movie, but I feel like more people saw it, they would love it. Um, and everyone's going to hate me for this. Last Samurai should have got a nomination. Oh, last, last Samurai is not the <laughs> cultural appropriation movie that people think it is. They just never saw it, man. Just it's just some wild take between Knight's Tale and Last Samurai. That's 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 very wild. That's I'm very... just coming with the heat, man. I'm just I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, let me give you another random Bill Murray one that that, that if, if you end up lacking lost in translation, check out Broken Flowers. Have you guys seen, have you, you other two, have you seen them? I don't think I have. Let me see. Let me see if I can search that up. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it. I love Bill Murray. So, yeah, I'm, I'm completely biased when it comes to him. Yes, and yes, that, that is exactly why I picked, you know, lost in translation. Okay. I got to watch that Broken Flowers. Write that down in my yeah. book. Slow burn, but, you know, good performances. Ah, it's a Jim Jarmusch Jeff, film. Jeffrey Wright's in it. Yeah, it's, it's got, it's, you, you, you'll see. Hopefully, people listening, if you haven't seen some of these movies, you have something to go watch. Jabari, this is a good idea, man. You don't have them often, but this was a good idea. I, I, I like it. <laughs> oh, that laugh meant eat a dick. Oh, yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> um, John and S, thanks for hopping on, man. Appreciate it on trade deadline day. No yeah. less. I'm sure you guys got a million things to do. Um, I just want to. I just want to give you guys a shout one more time. And so on Twitter, if you don't follow them, please do. Um, at just S Barahini, uh, J U S T E S B A R A H E N I. And John, man, it's throwing me off. I wanted to. I, I knew your app before we started. I knew John Delorean, but now he's changed. He's, he's grown up. He's 31 now. He's too old yeah. for the John DeLorean. Um, underscore a guy named John, J-O-N. <laughs> yeah. Also, do you guys mind if I plug? Uh, Go for it, man. Uh, yeah, so um, on top of being a 31-year-old man who recently changed my, uh, my handle on Twitter, um, I also co-host two podcasts, an Orlando Magic-centric one called The Magical Boogaloo, um, which is actually a part of a larger uh, Orlando Magic-based blog called The Close-Up Magic, which they actually have a pretty popular Orlando Magic podcast. Uh, because of that podcast, that is how I'm occasionally able to get media passes, so check that out as well. Um, and then I have a passion project that I, I, I love uh, to no end. Jabari was actually a guest on it not too long ago called Great. Friends with Boredom. Um, we talk about sports, music, movies, food, specifically pizza, uh, and a whole host of other things. And it would mean the world if you guys check that out. And uh, thank you both, Josh and Jabari, for having me on. This is my favorite NBA podcast, you know, and the second favorite isn't even close to this. So I genuinely appreciate you guys asking me to be on. Yeah. Well, thanks, I, Sean. I, I, I also appreciate you guys just saying – I also appreciate it. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm also appreciative. Just saying. I don't know. I'm, I'm just blabbing at this point. Thank you, guys. Seriously, I appreciate it. Um, I don't really have anything to plug. Just check out the videos at the score, as always. Uh, John, I might want to check out that podcast. That that kind of piqued my interest. I, I, I'm very interested in pizza. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to take a look at that. S is being modest, too, because he does do some singles following some rap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I could bust yeah, that. I, yeah, Jabari, go yeah, ahead. I was, like, what, why what? Is he be, I was like, why is he being modest? Like, he's got the clips for the score. He does all types of stuff. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I do what I do. Hey, I, honestly, I'm not I'm not a toot your horn type of guy. But, you know, if you go and check me out on Twitter, I'm sure you'll see all the, the stuff that I do, including voice notes and, and, and videos and all that stuff as well. But, yeah, yeah, I do stuff, man. I do stuff. That's my <laughs> so, thing. I'd like to add, you did a great job the other night policing uh, the locker room defensive talk once Josh left. Uh, that was a 
total shit show. It was. After, it was definitely a shit show. You know what? I've, I've been here an hour and 15 S here. <laughs> yeah. Josh actually do, does that to me way, way too often. It'll be like, hey, all right, I'm out. Have a good one, man. And I'm like, oh, crap. I guess I'm host. All right. Let's just roll here with this. Um, John, actually, no, it's funny. I'll, fine. I'll plug something. I did do a video on the defensive topic that is on the score. So you can check it out. It was about who was the greatest defender and the whole Draymond comments and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that's 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 the gist. So yeah, that's that's gonna wrap us this week. Um, if you haven't yet, please please like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, wink, wink. We are negotiating with Blue Wire. Your contract is almost up. So uh, send us a few reviews. Couldn't hurt, right? Show the boss. Show the boss some love. Uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>